This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for That's when I was the that breaking board. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning, Twins fans. Good to be with you on this uh, sunny Sunday in the Twin Cities. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. You're listening to Twins Today. It's driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. we got a fun show coming up for you today, a pre-All-Star break edition of the show. And kind of a loaded week for the Twins, if we're being honest, because we've also got the draft that starts today. The Twins will have picks uh, 26 and 36, but more on that in a second. Coming up on the show, we've got Radio Revisit from one of our friends, A.J. Pierzynski. We're going to talk with the uh, TV voice of Twins Baseball, Dick Bramer. Later on, we're getting an insight on the minor leagues from Chris Kleinhans schultz We're going to hear about the Cedar Rapids Colonels coming up. And uh, two more guests in the 11 o'clock hour. That's Andy McCullough of The Athletic joins the show and uh, Britt Minder the coordinator of amateur scouting. Busy week for the scouting department. Brett, kind enough to carve out some time to talk with us today. But we start the show with five thoughts. Five thoughts gets you caught up on the week. If you caught every single pitch, you were listening to every game, even out on your boat, thank you. Uh, good for you. And we'll still try to dive a little bit deeper for you. So you should get something out of this segment too. And or if you uh, caught a game here or there, you missed a couple, you want to get caught up, well, here's where we get you caught up to speed. We are going to start with uh, the draft because it's got impact on the future. We'll build toward what's going on in the present day for the Minnesota Twins. But for number one, we heard from Twins scouting director, Sean Johnson on what's available at the top of the draft, given that the Twins have two picks in the top 40. Number one. You know, looking at the different demographics, I think the college bats are as light as I can remember. The high school pitching is pretty good. The high school bats, there's a good amount. The college pitching is is probably the true depth of this draft. There's velocity. You go to any game in the SEC or one of the power fives and Every guy that rolls out of the bullpen is throwing 95 with some kind of hard breaking ball. We're trying to pick out starters out of that group, um, which is not is a shorter list of names. But, you know, there's velocity in every round. You could probably draft a guy in the 20th round that throws 95 miles an hour. We've got probably got guys turned in, not even turned in, that throw 95. So velocity is rampant around America at the college level, the high school level. A lot of hard throwers, but we're still trying to stay disciplined to picking out guys we think can start. 
A lot of velocity you heard Sean Johnson say there in this draft. Johnson, the uh, scouting director for the Minnesota Twins, has been since basically since uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine took over the baseball show here in Minnesota. And I'm kind of curious about that because you've seen velocity ramping up. I, I think uh, high schoolers throw harder now than they did 10 years ago. I don't, I don't know if that's a controversial opinion. I guess it's, it's uh, verifiable by fact, but... One of the things that's interesting about this draft that Johnson uh, talked about later in that interview, but we didn't hear in this clip here, is it's hard to know exactly what numbers you can trust, right? What's the big story in Major League Baseball right now? The sticky stuff for pitchers. And if you have a college pitcher who's got a great breaking ball and a fastball that rides at the top of the strike zone, are you 100% sure that that's uh, his own merit? I, I don't know how you'd sort through that if you're a scouting director. Johnson basically said, you know, we we don't go off things we can't prove. He was he was saying that there's there's a difference between conjecture and fact. Um, I don't know. I, I guess read into that whatever you will. My perspective on it was it'd be a tough time to pick out talent right now in the amateur ranks, but the Twins will have two opportunities to do that later on today with the MLB draft starting. It's also All-Star Week. Happy All-Star Week to all those who celebrate and the people around the game who get a a much-deserved breather over a couple of days, and uh, congratulations to Nelson Cruz, who will be going to the All-Star Game as a representative of the Minnesota Twins, and I stumped for him in the Home Run Derby last week. Apparently, those uh, efforts were not quite enough to get him in because he didn't want to get in. Here's Nelson Cruz on the lack of participation in the Home Run Derby for Mr. Cruz. Number two. No, no, I already did. I know it's a great experience. Uh, like I said, uh, it's fun for the uh, for us as a player, for the fans, um, uh, for mom, fam- family members. You know, uh, everybody likes the derby. Uh, um, it will do uh, probably another point if, if you had a chance to go back. Uh, just when my kid got a little bit older, so they can remember. That's Nelson Cruz on him not participating in the Home Run Derby. He's done it. It messes with his swing. It's kind of a bummer for Cruz that he's not going to get to rush the body here over a couple of days. Uh, Maybe that gives him a little more chance to get a breather, maybe finally kick this uh, whatever bug he's been dealing with, and not to mention the little dings he's picked up along the way as the Twins' lone all-star representative. Uh, You remember, I don't watch the Home Run Derby every single year. I watch the game every year. I I I love the all-star game. Um, Nelson Cruz was a participant in 2009. He took second to Prince Fielder, if you remember that one. And if you don't, I can forgive you because it feels so long ago. Other participants in that derby, Joe Maurer and Brandon Inge were in that long ball contest. Uh, Maurer went into a swing off with Pujols, I think, in the in the first round. But anyway, no Nelson Cruz, but you can watch the game Tuesday to see Nelson Cruz uh, hopefully get in there, get an AB or two uh, in a Minnesota Twins uni representing the American League. That I just have fun with that every year. Uh, let's get back to the current Twins. Number three. And the pitch, a swing at a line drive into left field and deep. This one's back on the track near the wall. That ball is going to be gone. Home run opposite field for Kepler. His second tonight, and there's the insurance run. 7-5 Twins here in the eighth inning. Max Kepler on the bone, but Corey Provis on the call, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, Kepler got back, and, and I said on this show, I think it was part of Five Thoughts even, 
hey, getting pe- getting Kepler back is is a big boost for the Twins. Great, you know, you you've got a trusted right fielder and some Byron Buxton insurance in center field if if Kepler's feeling well enough to go take on that post. It was going to be a big lift for him, but would it be an even bigger lift if the Kepler of old could return to the Twins? Uh, he had struggled a bit this year. That was no secret. In fact, uh, pulled the numbers through June. And this involves some injury and some missed time, but a lot of games and a lot of ABs in this sample size here. Kepler was hitting 199 with a sub-300 on base percentage and slugging 392. That's through the end of June. Well... July, off to a much better start for Max Kepler. He attributed some of it anyways, and I can't tell jokingly or not because he has a wry sense of humor. He said that he had a bad necklace. He he had to talk with his jeweler because he got a necklace that was giving him some, some bad vibes that was apparently causing the slump. Got rid of that. Kepler, in July, hitting 375. With a 423 on base, slugging 875. That includes three homers and a, an important triple this week, too. So it's an early, that's a very short, hot stretch, but that's a hot stretch. That's exactly what you were hoping to see if you're the Minnesota Twins from Max Kepler. Welcome back, Max. Number five. Here it comes. Swung on a miss. He struck him out. Miguel Cabrera is down on strikes. That's the seventh strikeout for Kenta Maeda. That's number four, a mistake on the clip on my part there. Kenta Maeda back, and speaking of, you know, Max Kepler being back, well, Kenta Maeda's emergence has been just as pronounced, just as important for the Twins here this week, uh, uh, this month, I guess I should say, because Maeda, at the time, you started to worry, you know, or this just didn't look like the guy we saw last year, certainly didn't look like the guy who finished second in Cy Young voting in the American League. Uh, he had a 5.56 ERA through the month of June. So let's use that same timestamp we used with Kepler in the two starts since then. Maeda shaved off almost a run off of that total. He's uh, In 11 innings, he's allowed just four hits. No earned runs, 17 strikeouts and three walks. Well, what more can you say than that? I mean, he's got the fastball command back. The split change looked nasty the other night. And when he came to the Twins, he had, as advertised, I talked to a few people uh, who helped scout him, uh, even former teammate Rich Hill, who was a, a teammate with the Dodgers of Kenta. And what I came away with is people saying, Maeda has one of the best sliders in baseball, in all of baseball. So a couple of different weapons, few ways that Maeda can get him out, and it's good to see him back on track. Thought number five is going to be about, it's a little bit of a tease coming up for later on in the show. I'll tell you more about that in a second, but there's a question as we approach the trade deadline. Twins fans wondering, are they going to trade guys like Jose Barrios? Are they going to trade Byron Buxton? Is this a teardown? I don't have the answer to that, but this is an important point. We're wondering, can you keep these guys along for the, uh, keep them around, excuse me, for the long term? All right, because each of them have another year before they could become major league free agents and are free to go sign with any of the 30 clubs, do whatever they choose. Uh, If you can't keep them beyond that, the theory goes, maybe you should try to get some value for them right now and rebuild for the future. Well, few people on this earth more qualified to answer the question, could the Twins keep Buxton and Barrios? Could they afford to keep them for the long term? Let's turn to... Twins principal owner Jim Polad for thought number five. Number five. I think the answer is a definitive yes. 
And I can tell you that Byron, as an example, there's just nobody that's more frustrated with, the, you know, how things have gone for him health-wise than he is. I mean, he is really bummed out by this kind of stuff. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't treat it lightly. And it's, he wants to be out there competing. And he's a vital part of our team going forward, as Jose would be. I agree with that sentiment, but it's fascinating to hear it from Jim Polad. More from that interview coming up on Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury sat down with Jim Polad, and you'll hear that conversation in much greater detail after this show. Twins today. We are on the air here from 10 to noon and then all across our Twins radio network. You can hear that Inside Twins conversation, Chris Atterbury and Jim Polad, right before the Edina Realty pregame lineup card all building up to first pitch Twins and Tigers, Jose Barrios versus Willie Peralta. That's going to do it for Five Thoughts. If you want more of that, you can follow me on social media, Twitter at Derek Wetmore, Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. That's where you can find my newsletter five thoughts but we got a loaded show we got to get on with it Um, just a great morning afternoon of baseball programming here heading into the all-star break when we come back we are going to hear from a guy you've become used to hearing he's on a national platform now he's a former twins catcher and baseball irritant aj pierzynski we're going to hear from that conversation with danny gladden and behind the batting cage next here on twins today You're listening to News Talk, 830-WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I am at Target Field where it is sunny. They are grooming the field, soaking the dirt just to get it ready ahead of uh, Twins and Tigers. First pitch, Jose Barrios, Willie Peralta coming up just a couple of hours. I'm with you 10 to noon here, Twins Today. And then I'll hand the baton off to Chris Atterbury, who talks with Twins principal owner Jim Polad and a, on a great conversation that you're going to want to hear on Inside Twins. After Inside Twins, it's the Edina, Preal- Edina Realty excuse me, pregame lineup card all heading up to first pitch. But this is Radio Revisit, the portion of the show where we hear uh, one of the more celebrated clips of the week. And this one was a segment from Behind the Batting Cage. Dan Gladden chats with A.J. Pruszynski. Well, it's the Behind the Batting Cage segment. Special guest A.J. Pruszynski, former Minnesota Twin World Champion with the Chicago White Sox. And A.J., let our listeners know what, what's on uh, A.J.'s plate these days. I'm trying to be like the Dazzleman. I'm trying to uh, do a little broadcasting, you know, uh, working for Fox, get to do some games, do 25 games a year, and it's about it. Stay involved with the game as much as I can and a lot of driving. I'm an Uber driver for my kids now, 15 and 14, so a lot of driving around. It's called parenting, okay, and that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, glad to hear that. Following the teams here right now, and, of course, the Twins just played the Chicago White Sox. A little bit of a dust-up there with Josh Donaldson talking about some of that uh, sticky stuff, the spider tack that's out there. Did you get to follow that, and what were your thoughts on that? I saw it, and uh, we need more of that, personally. I think we need more of that. Um, I like trash talking, as everyone knows. I like emotion, and I like people to be real. And Listen, Donaldson said what he said, and Giolito said what he said, and then Apparently, Donaldson went and met him in the parking lot, and nothing came of it. Hey, listen, kudos to Josh Donaldson, kudos to Giolito for standing up for himself. And then uh, I don't know why Ozzie Guillen, because you never want to pick a fight with Ozzie Guillen, because he'll always he'll always take you to the next level. So uh, that was probably where Donaldson went off the tracks a little bit. But other than that, you know, I like it. I, I think it's good for the game. I think it gets people talking about baseball, and that's what we need. AJ, what's it like? I mean, because when, when uh, that happened – the fans at Guaranteed Rate Field, of course, the White Sox fans, very vocal, very rowdy there. He became the villain. 
and your career also kind of was the villain. They were, I'm sure there was ballparks that you went to that you heard it from the fans. What's that like? Where are you sitting right now? Target Field. Oh, yeah, they loved me at Target Field. Every time I came up, I always got a standing ovation at Target Field. <laughs> um, listen, man, it was – you know what? It made me better. It made me a better player. It made me a better everything uh, on the field. I loved I loved it. I, if I went to a visiting stadium and I wasn't getting that, then, man, I was like – my teammates are disappointed. I was disappointed <laughs> because it made me better because usually – you know, people don't boo people that don't do anything. You know, you don't, they don't boo the nine-hole hitter on their least favorite team because they don't know who he is. So – Usually when you boom, that means you've either done something to break their heart or you've done something where you've won a game or you've done something. Whatever it is, you've always done something that people remember. And uh, listen, it it made me a better player when I went on the road because I, I thrived and I lived for that because my whole career, Dan, as you know, I was based on emotion and I was based on a lot of like I had to hate the other team and I wanted to beat the other team. So just hearing the booze just gave me that much more fire. AJ, I want to talk about when uh, you left. We were talking about on a broadcast the other night about just that. You played with your emotions very – I liked it because I thought that I, I'm kind of maybe out of the same mold or we're from cut from the same cloth and that you know, I didn't like the other team. If they didn't have Minnesota Twins or whatever team I was playing for, they were the enemy. But when you went to San Francisco, and I've always said, AJ was the guy that wanted to win tonight. He doesn't want to look at the schedule and say, okay, we got to win this – the game tonight was the most important game with you. What happened when you went to San Francisco? That was not a good fit with you. I don't know. I'm just not a West Coast guy, Danny. I think that's <laughs> it. I mean, listen, I was born on the East Coast. I live on the East Coast. I just wasn't a – I didn't enjoy the cold weather. It'd be August. I'd be in a turtleneck, and it just didn't work. And, uh, listen, I, I actually – there's some people out there that I still talk to. I still have a ton of respect for a lot of the people, not only in the organization, but guys that I played with out there. I mean, listen, it got me here with the – greatest hitter I've ever seen that's Barry Bonds and he had an unbelievable year when I was there so I can't complain about what it was and listen it got me to Chicago where we went on to win a World Series so everything happens for a reason and listen I I was sad when I left Minnesota they traded me away and I got wireless and had Joe Maurer and and I understand but you know as you know as a player you never think you're going to leave your first organization so it bit me a little bit you always are like oh keeping an eye on your old team and just didn't work. And if I knew the answer, I would have changed it when it happened. But listen, I was glad I had the experience. I got to meet great people and and it got me to Chicago. AJ, let our listeners know what the good and bad, what we're seeing now with the catchers going down on one knee. What's the benefits and downfall, if if there's any, from catchers catching on one knee? For me, I, I, I understand. I've talked to people about it. And they say the benefit is you can steal a strike every once in a while. But the funny part is, if you talk to umpires, they say they're not really stealing strikes. And my other question is, who quantifies which pitches are stolen and which pitches aren't? Is it either a strike or a ball? And the umpires I've talked to say, you know, we call based on the pitch, not on the way the catcher catches it. Now, do I agree with that? Eh, eh, a little bit here and there. But, you know, umpires are human and they want to go to robo strike zone, which I'm against also. But the, the thing about the one knee is, is stealing a strike in the second inning going to justify a wild pitch you maybe could have blocked if you were on two feet in the ninth that leads to a winning run a guy on first gets the ball gets by you the guys on second next guy gets a hit instead of needing two hits they get the one hit and they win the game that's where i had question whether it's worth it situationally i understand it but when you get late in the game you need to stop a ball can you do it from one knee and most guys the answer to that is no now there are some guys rio mudo can do it he sets up different depending on the situation but Listen, most guys aren't that athletic, and most guys can't do it, and it ends up costing you sometimes. You mentioned the automated strike zone that they're experimenting right now. 
in a ball right now. Do you see that coming into Major League Baseball? I hope not, man. What are you going to argue then? They already took away <laughs> collisions at second base. They took out the collisions at home. Remember that play you had with uh, Olsen. Olsen at home plate? Yeah. I would yeah. <laughs> you would have been ejected forever. <laughs> They've taken away everything you can argue except the strike zone. So we're never going to see hardly ever see managers come out and throw bases and go crazy, right? Uh, which is also was a great part of the game. In the automated strike zone, I always tell people this. They say, okay, if you want an automated strike zone, you better be able to hit the big like Burp Y11 12 to 6 curveball because it, it goes straight down when it hits. So if it bounces in front of the plate right or right on top of the plate like a slow pitch softball and it clips your knee as it goes down and bounces on the plate, that would be called a strike. You know how many people will be arguing that, Danny? Yes. It'll be crazy. Plus, think about this. It's 3-1, 3-2. The runner's stealing one out. It's a delayed call, right? It's not going to be like bang, bang, bang. The catcher comes up. He throws in his center field. That guy goes to third. That's the winning run. Next guy hits a sack fly. You lose the game. What, what happens then? See, there, there's so many things that are just – they don't think about sometimes. They just are like, oh, let's, this is a great idea. Let's do it. And reality, sometimes you need the human back there. I remember playing with the Giants as a young player. We were playing Montreal, and I took a guy out at second base. He threw the ball into the stands. We won one to nothing. That, to me, helped win a ball game, whereas that element of the game is no longer relevant anymore. You're so old, Danny. You're so old. You're such an old, such an what, old school, old because, time guy. Because it was Montreal, right? No, just because, you know, you're talking about sliding and touching somebody. I know. it. Uh, without the automated strike zone right now, I know that you were pretty vocal. There were some umpires that you had some trouble with. But then again, with that being said, I promise you there's a lot of umpires out there that loved you back there. It was a relationship that you had to work on. It was like a marriage, right? You had good days and bad days. We're humans, and we have good days and bad days at home, and we have good days and bad days with the umpires. And there were guys you looked forward to definitely seeing back there, and there were some guys you're like, oh, it's going to be a long day. But you knew that going in, and you still know that going in. There's umpire scouting reports, and you try to make the best out of it. But, you know, I wasn't always the easiest person to get along with back there, but I did my best, and I always wanted my pitcher to get the benefit of the doubt. So – the answer to another question is I missed the managers going out there and going crazy because nothing gets your team fired up yep. and the crowd more excited than the manager going out there and acting like a fool to the umpire. I always felt that A.J. took the brunt of a pitcher arguing with the home plate umpire. I felt A.J. would say, hey, let me take care of it. You stay in the ball game and I'll – there's an art to that, isn't that? You, you're not going to turn around and, and berate the umpire, but you can still get your message across as you're in your position and catching, right? Oh, absolutely. You just don't turn around. I mean, as long as you're looking at the pitcher and you have your mask on, you can kind of do whatever you want. It's when you take your mask off, turn around, and act act really mean and, and just let the <laughs> crowd get into it is when they get angry. So, yeah, there was a lot more said than people understood, especially to the umpires. But it was fun because they would give it right back to you, and the yes. good ones understood when you were upset. And the bad ones, it was usually the younger ones would just lose it right away. The, the veteran guys, understand, okay, I understand, I missed it, move on. And the young guys, they were the ones that would get, they would just take it the wrong way and go crazy. I appreciate your time, AJ. Best of luck to you always, okay? We'll be in touch. Thanks, buddy. All right, take All right, care. Pal, thank you. Chris, back to you. Well, I'm Derek, but that's because we were uh, playing that interview from earlier this week. At the radio revisit, fun to hear from... A.J. Pierzynski and Dan Gladden right there. Um, Actually, Chris Atterbury is coming up later, though. Right after this show, I hand the baton to him for a conversation, in-depth chat with Twins principal owner Jim Polad. That's part of Inside Twins coming up all across our network at noon. And then right into the Dino Realty pregame lineup card all ahead of Twins and Tigers, Jose Barrios versus Willie Peralta. That's it for Radio Revisit. Let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to be chatting with a man who needs no introduction around these parts. 
Pride of Staples, Minnesota, Dick Bramer joins me next. On Twins Today, you're listening to News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and delighted to be joined here on the program by the Pride of Minnesota, uh, Staples, Minnesota, excuse me, the voice of Minnesota Twins baseball on TV all these years. He is Dick Bramer. Dick, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure, and I need to correct you off the top. Staples, Minnesota has a lot more to be proud of than me. I can promise you that. <laughs> I was going to say, Dick, <laughs> the more success you have, the more people try to claim you. So well, I guess there you go. And and uh, I, as an aside, I actually grew up in a real small town in western Minnesota called Dumont. And as you know, I had a book out and all that, and we were going to have the first Minnesota book signing in Dumont, and we had to cancel it. Not cancel it, postpone it, as it turns out. And so uh, publicly I can tell you we're going to have that book signing in Dumont on August 21st. Another network is televising the game, and so we're going to have a party in Dumont, Minnesota on That's August great. 21st. That's Well, yeah. I heard you bring up Dumont earlier this week on the broadcast. That's fun to have that little tie back because I was going to ask you about the uh, the the book, Dick, that it's out in paperback this year, hardcover last year. Right. And uh, what's that process been like? I mean, I understand there's kind of two processes. There's writing the book, and then there's after the book's written. Right. We weren't able to do any book signings. We had one in Fort Myers uh, uh in 2020 but then uh, the pandemic shut everything down we had some book signings lined up and all that so that part of it wasn't uh, we weren't able to execute that but uh, in terms of the writing process it was an interesting thing because um, you know I'm used to you know blurting something out on the air and it's gone (laughs) and this was a different process because as I thought something and wrote it down I would reread it and change it and reread it and change it. So it was an interesting process for someone who's usually, uh, you know, uh, doing live television. Sure, yeah. It's a uh, first take has to be good in that. And in writing, I think the rule is your first take can't be good. <laughs> it's kind of the process. It was uh, it was an interesting process. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, – we're, we're happy to uh, uh, – be able to have a book signing in Dumont. They're gonna. They tell me uh, they were gonna back out the fire truck out of the fire hall back then. They don't do that for everybody. No, no kidding. Me and Santa Claus, I think, is it. There so. you go. Well, that game used my life in stitches with the Minnesota Twins. That is Dick Bramer's book. And if you want to get into that book signing, August twelfth, twenty first, twenty first. I'm sorry, yep. I got the date wrong. Uh, Saturday. Yep. The Twins. Uh, broadcast by somebody else you don't get a lot of time downtime in the summer dick so it's nice to be able to take one of those days in fact uh all-star break coming up here you got uh plans with the family here in the middle of summer yeah my son is a minor league broadcaster so he won't be with us but uh, my wife and daughter and i will be up on our uh, lake place and i'm just uh, gonna you know relax and take it easy go for some boat rides uh, I tell people I'm not even going to engage my brain enough to go fishing. I'm just going to ride in the boat. You know, when you go fishing, you've got decisions to make. That's you know, right. should, That's should, right. should I use a, you know a, a, a nightcrawler harness? You know, a leech on a Lindy rigs. You know, I mean, there are decisions that have to be made, and I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to start the boat and go for a ride. Side benefit too: if you don't <laughs> drop a line in the water, you can't get outsmarted right. by the fish. Yeah, so. yeah. So when I return here, and people say, "Well, uh, did you catch anything?" I say, "Well, I didn't even go." <laughs> even try right exactly something like you uh you don't miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take but i don't know yeah, something like miss that. that michael jordan quote <laughs> by a word or two uh so that's great to hear that you get some downtime with the family and you mentioned in passing there uh, your son eric uh, I met him a few years ago around here at Target Field. He is a minor league broadcaster, as you mentioned. 
And you probably get this question all the time, and so I'm sorry if I'm being repetitive, but if young broadcasters ask you for advice, you know, you've been in this business a long time, the voice of Twins Baseball on TV, what advice do you typically hand down to somebody looking to get into this racket? Well, it's a wonderful racket. The idea of getting paid to go to baseball games, hockey games, whatever, I mean, you know, it's so much more of a competitive business now than it was when I got started. And I, Derek, I just kind of fell into it. I, I didn't, you know, my son's paying his dues now in, in the minor leagues as a broadcaster. I never went that route. I got into this uh, through television news. I worked at Channel 11 a uh, long, long time ago when the call letters were still WTCN. Okay. And uh, so and, and I, there was there was – an opportunity that was presented to me, and it worked out, and I've stayed with it. So uh, I'm not the best guy to ask for advice, but I, I, I do know that uh, any experience you can get uh, with a microphone to the point where you feel comfortable talking into a microphone, whether it's public address announcing or whatever, that's only going to uh, help you down the road. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's because it's such a competitive business, um, you need to get as much experience as you can to try to separate yourself from everybody else. And and beyond that, you just need to uh, hope for an opportunity. And I was very blessed a long time ago to get a chance to do Twins baseball, never imagining that that would ever be the case because, as you know, I followed the team yeah. from uh, when they first arrived in 1961. And so now I get to work with, you know, Jim Cott. I've worked with Harmon Killebrew and all these guys who were icons of my childhood and I've been able to get them know, uh, get to know them in my adulthood. So I've really, really been blessed. Yeah, well, blessed maybe, but you know they say work hard, get lucky, and uh, that is evident in in your craft, Dick. Too. Um, you mentioned just in passing. By the way, for listeners who who might not know or are just tuning in, that's the voice of Dick Bramer. I'm sure you already knew that. He's the voice of uh, Twins Baseball on Valley Sports North, where you can catch him on the broadcast today. But uh, Dick, you've worked with a lot of partners over the years, uh, and of course, longtime partner Burt Blylevin, and nowadays you're, uh, we had Jim Cott on the show last week. You work with him this week, but the list goes on and on. Roy Smalley, uh, Glenn Perkins, Latroy Hawkins. You you have worked with a lot of different partners, and what I'm getting to with this question is that has to be a challenge when you're working in so many different uh, partnerships kind of simultaneously. What has that experience been like for you? Well, for, I don't know, 20 years or so, uh, it was uh, just uh, Dick and Bert, right, for every telecast. Sure. And then uh, uh, things evolve, things change in the business uh, uh, constantly. And now I get to work with four or five different twins, and they're all different. You know, how I would uh, – work with Jim Cott is going to be different than how I'm going to work with Justin Morneau next weekend. Yes. And uh, it, it's it's different. It's, it's not difficult because they all take what they do very seriously. Jim is 82 years old, but he's still very inquisitive about today's game, and that's what makes him such a great broadcaster. Yeah. Justin Morneau paid attention to the game when he played all facets of the game. He's inquisitive. And so – you know, I, I'm really lucky in that sense. You know, Glenn Perkins just does a phenomenal job really kind of getting his feet wet and broadcasting. But he has opinions, things he wants to share. So as long as that's the case, it really doesn't matter who I'm working with. The sense I get is that people, fans, and it's ultimately all about the fans, that they've adapted to the rotation, if you will, yeah. uh, of the analysts. 
Everybody has their favorite. Everybody has their least favorite, and I hear about that. <laughs> but I enjoy working with them all. I truly do. And just think of all the people I've had a chance to work with. Paul Molitor. Uh, you know, and I mentioned Harmon Killebrew. Jim Cott a long time ago. Yeah. And, and the, 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 they, they all, all the players have had an, a tremendous impact on this organization that I've followed literally since they moved from Washington in 1961. So, yeah, that's just another blessing for me, Derek. I'm glad that you mentioned Molly because I don't know that I've learned more about baseball from anybody any more than that man. I, I of course, have my list of people who have taught me many, many things about the game, as we all do. We we aren't born knowing everything, it turns out. Uh, maybe Molitor was, actually. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. But uh, just that inquisitive nature that you brought up, it's something that I didn't know about Justin as a player. I followed the Twins really closely, but not at, not at this level and not at a professional media level. To hear him with you on the broadcasts it's almost like that three hours is just a fun baseball conversation with you guys so I, I i applaud you for pulling that off with justin and you're right he's he's been great at it sometimes uh i'm surprised at how well some people do sure, on the sure. air years ago they lined up tom kelly to do some games and i don't know whether you had much experience uh with tom but i thought oh because I know dealing with the media was the least favorite part of his day. Not at the top of his and, list. <laughs> and now he was going to be on the air for sure. three hours. And he was just tremendous. I loved it, yes. And, and, and you know, he, he brought a manager's insight. I'll, I'll try to tell this story quickly. Please. Uh, uh, he was on the air, and uh, it was the first inning. And, um, you know, there was a runner at first. And the pitcher threw a pitch, and he goes, oh, he's 1-5. We should be able to steal a base, whatever the time was. And sure. I looked, and here he had a stopwatch with him. And I thought, well, perfect. That's what an analyst should do, yeah, right? And right. He, had a, he had a stopwatch as a manager uh, years ago as a third base coach. And so now he brought it to the booth, and uh, just – a wonderful perspective that I know the fans enjoyed. And and same, too, you talked about Justin. You know, yeah. Justin was the master during his playing days of giving you a 15-second sound bite. Yeah. But, but now, you know, he carries the show, as should be the case. <laughs> and so he, he was a really pleasant surprise with how well he – uh, adapted to his new role as a communicator, and he does a tremendous job. Well, it's a difficult dance you do, Dick, and you do it well, and we appreciate it. And uh, thank you for taking some time this morning on Twins Today. No problem. Uh, we uh, enjoy listening to you on Sunday mornings, and uh, very happy to be a part of it, Derek. Thanks. Thanks very much. That's the voice of Dick Bramer, Bramer excuse me, television analyst for the Minnesota Twins, longtime voice of the Twins on TV. Catch him on the broadcast if you're on TV, Bally Sports North, today. When we come back, we are going to get some minor league sound from Chris Kleinhans Schultz. He is the voice of the Cedar Rapids Colonels, play-by-play broadcaster. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Blanco ready for the full count delivery. Here it comes. Javier drives it to left, and this is going to win the game. Wander Javier with a three-run walk-off homer. Four-to-one Colonels in 12 innings. Next pitch, wide to left center field and deep. This is going to get down. Ozoria coming around to score, and Deshaun Kersey with a walk-off double. Colonels win 9-8. to 
Not one but two walk-offs this week for the Cedar Rapids Colonels Twins A-Ball affiliate, and we are privileged to be joined by the voice on those calls right here on Twins Today by Chris Kleinhans Schultz. Follow him on Twitter at the Kleinhans. Chris, exciting week for you guys this week. I mean, yeah, just a nice little six-game win streak with those back-to-back walk-offs earlier. Not bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're uh, drawing it up, it, uh, it's hard to go any worse. Uh, how's it going for you so far at the midpoint of the season? Yeah, funny enough, today's actually the final game of the first half of the season, and naturally things are rolling pretty nicely. It's six wins in a row right now. We had an eight-game win streak not long ago, too. So this is a team that for all the different people who have been in and sometimes out, I mean, this has been quite a stretch for the team. The voice you're hearing is Chris Kleinhans Schultz. He is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels, a man who is uh, well-equipped to answer questions about that club. He sees them every night. And you mentioned, Chris, the six-game win streak, 33-26 and 26 right now, second place in the West Division of the Central League. Uh they, I understand, too, that they brought back playoffs for this year. What kind of impact has that had on the club? Well, that's always a good incentive for guys, especially as long as any baseball season gets. So there's something to play for at the very end. And the way I understand the announcement for minor league baseball that came out last week is that they're taking the top two teams based on overall win percentage. So even though Cedar Rapids is six games back in the West Division behind the Quad Cities River Bandits, our in-state rivals, All you'd have to do is finish with the next best record behind them, if not possibly catching them and taking over first on your own. And right now with the win streak that's going on, Cedar Rapids is just a game and a half back of the Dayton Dragons, the East Division leader for what would be that second spot. And there's still that second half of the season to go. So Cedar Rapids clearly right in the thick of things. Nice. I I love it. I I love because I I just can't shake the thought, Chris, and and I want to know if you agree with me that winning – is part of development that you you can't just be the best player on a bad team never win anything and then show up at the major leagues and you're a finished product one i would argue you're never quite a finished product but two i think that competitiveness matters i think learning to win games and be selfless and be a you know an overall baseball player do you see that play a part in uh, younger players development I would think so. And I think when you talk about the guys who are playing, the people coaching and managing, the people like us doing our jobs, we always want what's best for ourselves. And maybe they have a more obvious W that they could put in their win column than we would in ours. But we're always trying to do our best, and we always want that something to reach for. And while development and trying to build yourself as a player and as a person is going to be important, if you're winning at the same time, at the very least, it's just something fun and makes the process all much better for everybody. Yeah, oh, that's a great answer, great insight. And uh, I know the W's aren't as obvious, but I thought your calls of the Wander Javier walk-off and the uh, uh, Deshaun Kersey walk-off as well. Those were W's in my book, Chris. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, You mentioned the win streak, and I want to circle back on it because uh, the Colonels have now won six in a row. I think you said eight in a row earlier this year, so they're no stranger to long win streaks. I want you to help settle. uh, It's a little bubbling rumor here around the uh, network headquarters at Target Field. I heard uh, that for every 10-game win streak, if the Colonels go on a 10-game winning streak, the Ox Yoke Inn provides just a big spread, a big buffet for the team. Uh, truth to that rumor, or is that one that was made from whole cloth? Not only is there truth to it, it's not even just a colonel's thing. That's something that's gone back through the decades of Cedar Rapids professional baseball. I actually had a recent conversation with Bill Quinby 
who among other things used to be on the board of directors for the Cedar Rapids Professional Baseball Club, also a former Super Bowl official back in Super Bowl 19, among so many other cool things about his life. He told me that one of the years he was part of the board of directors that one of those older teams might have been the Cedar Rapids Cardinals back then. They were good enough that they did it twice in one year. And the way the tradition works is that if you get 10 wins in a row during the regular season, you get treated to a special dinner at the Axiok Inn, which also traditionally is where we've had our little preseason event before each year. Didn't have it this season, actually, because of COVID-19 and where we were at with the pandemic at the time. But having done some of those previous preseason dinners, that is some awesome food right there. That is definitely a great reward <laughs> if you're able to get to 10 in a row. Something that no curls team has done since that 2013 squad with Buxton and Barrios and all those other good guys. So they had that eight game streak recently and just came up short. Now they got six right now and just got to get four more. Love it. I love it that there's the not only the postseason implications to play for, but the uh, fancy spread at a nice uh, restaurant. That's that's pretty good, too. Uh, Cedar Rapids Colonels, the only team, if my research is correct, to uh, have Byron Buxton play for them. Jose Barrios, as you just mentioned, and Mike Trout. So that's a fun little trivia tidbit for anybody who's looking for Colonels trivia. I want uh, speaking of some some greats who've gone through that way, I am kind of curious about some of the current players. And actually, let's start with the promoted guys. A couple minutes left here in in the hour, Chris. The guys who got promoted that were just hitting the cover off: Spencer Steer and Trey Cabbage. Uh, Steer was one of the league leaders in hitting, I know, and Trey Cabbage also just a, some pop in that bat. As they climb the ladder, Chris, what should Twins fans know about Spencer Steer and Trey Cabbage? Well, Steer was a solid leadoff man for us. He batted leadoff every game he played, and he's got some defensive versatility as well, mostly second and third base, but also a little bit of shortstop. He's just a good guy to have at the top of the lineup. Definitely brought some pop to his bat with his 10 home runs to lead our team while he was with us. And then Trey Cabbage, you know, between all the different changes with minor league baseball and just other things, this is actually the fourth consecutive season we got a little bit of Trey Cabbage with us. Nice. And he really turned it on. He had a recent stint in double-A Wichita, but then got pushed back to us because we were low on players. And he batted certainly in a way that he wanted to get back to Wichita and spend a little more time there. And he's already hit a couple home runs for the wind surge as well. A guy who came up more as a corner infielder, now profiles as a corner outfielder, has an absolutely fantastic arm. Mm. And he's, he's a guy that's just grinded. I mean, he was drafted in 15, but he was a high school guy. So he's still relatively young for someone who's been in the minors for so long. I look forward to seeing what both of them continue to do at Wichita and hopefully eventually to St. Paul in Minnesota. It's awesome. It's a great scouting report. That's the voice of Chris Kleinhans Schultz. He's the play-by-play broadcaster for the Cedar Rapids Colonels. A couple more for you here, and uh, we thank you for being so generous with your time here on a, on a busy Sunday, no doubt. Michael Hellman's been pretty hot in July. The numbers don't jump off the page but something changed with him that he's uh, been hitting so well in this month here Michael Hellman I think he's been embracing all the different roles he's had very well he's a guy that's had the flexibility to go to different spots in the lineup he had one outfield experience in his pro career when the season started and now he's a regular corner guy for us between left and right and things have just really come together and I think what's nice is that he missed a lot of time in 19 because of an injury, obviously missed 2020 because we didn't have a minor league season. And he's really come back well and done such a good job for us. Plus, even though he's not a prospect, Max Smith, who's a part of that outfield right now, statistically, he's the best batter that we've had during this win streak with an OPS well above 1,000. Mm. And we may not have Matt Walner as the big outfield prospect right now, but some of those guys like Hellman and Smith are really picking things up nicely. 
It's awesome. That's great to hear. Let's get one on the pitching side. I know you got some pitchers putting up strong numbers. Uh, ben Gross, Cody Funderburk. Guys have had good numbers pitching for the Colonels. But I am most curious about a. I I can't tell if he's a converted position player. Jordan Gore. He's listed as a shortstop, but he's got all the pitching stats. What's the story there? Yeah, he was a shortstop coming out of Coastal Carolina. Actually, was a redshirt on the team that won the College World Series in '16. And he was going to have an opportunity to possibly go two-way in college, but he ended up with Tommy John surgery, then played pro as a shortstop, started the transition in 19, has been a full pitcher with us out of the bullpen, had a very nice ninth inning to close out the win last night. He's a guy who's throwing 94 to 96 on the fastball. He's got a couple of good off-speed pitches as well. It's really been a good transition for him so far from shortstop to the mound. And What's funny, talk about it before, the thing he really misses the most about being a position player is actually the defense as opposed to a hitting. I think oh. he likes the, you know, the pitcher side's a little more successful. Now he's the one dishing out the mid-90s fastballs instead of trying to hit them. Love it. No, that's great insight. That's great. Uh, well, continued success with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, and uh, we're pulling for you on that win streak. Go get to 10 games. All right, four more to Oxio, baby. Let's get her done. <laughs> that's the voice of Chris Kleinhans Schultz. You can follow him on Twitter at the Kleinhans. It's uh, K-L-E-I-N-H-A. NS. That's the voice of Cedar Rapids Colonels Baseball. He is the play-by-play broadcaster, and we certainly uh, thank him for his time. Chris, we'll catch you on down the line. Uh, that's going to do it for Hour 1 of this show, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars, but certainly more where this came from. We've got a great second hour planned on the show, and then coming up, in an hour's time, you are not going to want to miss Inside Twins today with Chris Atterbury. He joins Twins principal owner Jim Polad for some uh, well, pointed questions about where the franchise is at, I guess the level of disappointment in the 2021 season, and much, much more. That's where I'll hand the baton off in about an hour's time, but we've still got an hour to go on Twins today. In the second half of the show here, we are going to hear from Andy McCullough, who covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic. We're also going to talk with the coordinator of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Twins, Britt Minder, joins us in a very, very busy week for the scouting department with the Major League Draft beginning today. Twins have picks uh, 26 and 36, two picks in the top 40. And uh, that's it's just an exciting time right ahead of the MLB All-Star break. So don't go anywhere. We want you to uh, keep it locked here on Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. And then, like I said, Inside Twins, the Adina Realty pregame lineup card, and Twins Tigers, first pitch. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. All right, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, with the pleasure of sitting down here at Target Field with Andy McCullough of The Athletic. Andy, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you, and I'm, I mentioned we're sitting at Target Field. The White Sox are in town as we're taping this now. Tell me, what brings you to Minneapolis? Uh, I'm working on a story about the White Sox that will probably be out um, before the start of the second half. 
episode okay. after the All-Star break. Yeah. I'm doing a story on Tony La Russa. I don't know. It's not like a secret. He's the manager. <laughs> Big state secret. Yeah. I mean, he's the manager of the White Sox. I don't know if you knew. I've uh, heard of him. Yeah. You know, he came out of retirement. It was sort of a big deal <laughs> in the off season, so I thought I'd try and write about how that's going. Yeah. Okay. Well, we won't make it spoil any of your stories, but people can find that at theathletic.com if you're not already a subscriber. Um, Andy, your journey starts uh, starts probably way before this, but where I started reading you was at the Kansas City Star, mm-hmm. uh, where you covered the Royals. Pretty fun run that you had with that team, and uh, crescendoing to a, a World Series. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I was there in um, 14 and 15. Uh, so they had not made the postseason in 29 years, <laughs> and they have not been back there since. Uh, that has nothing to do with me, obviously. But I'm not saying, just saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, what is it? Uh, butterfly effect. There I you guess. go. Um, but yeah, so I was there in 14 and 15. Uh, it was really fun, you know, professionally. Some of the uh, best times of my career. Um, really exciting teams. I loved, you know, the Central, traveling the Central. I love coming to Minneapolis. It's yeah. like one of my favorite road cities. So, okay. Um, yeah, so it was cool. Uh, times. You start Ledger before that, right? I was at the Ledger and before that. Star. Yeah, I was at the Ledger. I covered the Mets for three years and the Yankees and then I went to the LA Times and I was at the, on the Dodgers for three years. Well, what was that transition then going from Midwest Kansas City to a big time beat on the Dodgers? Yeah, it was it was different. I mean, I think different beats have different challenges. In Kansas City, it, there was it's a one newspaper town. Yeah, and so the traveling beat crew was pretty small. It was you know be myself and usually just whoever was there from MLB.com. So in fourteen, Dick Cagle, and fifteen, Jeffrey Flanagan, mm. and like. So that means, like, after a tough loss, you're pretty much the only person who's going to ask tough questions. It's just there's only a couple beat guys. Sure. So, you know, that just means you kind of get into confrontations a little more often because you're the guy at the reliever's locker every time he blows a save asking him, like, hey, um, why is it that you uh, didn't do what you wanted to do tonight? Like, you know, just, you know, it's just, so there's a lot of that. And then going to L.A. was, uh, you know, it was, it was like a readjustment because I my first couple of years have been in New York. And so yeah. I was used to being on a, um, a bigger beat. But, you know, in in Los Angeles, I was working at the L.A. Times, which is, you know, the, it's like the paper of record for Southern California. Yeah. And so there was uh, a lot of pressure with that. And there's, you know, the Times uh, had a fairly contentious relationship with the Dodgers. So there were challenges there. But yeah, it was, you know, it was all in all, it was, it was a pretty fun run. It was nine, nine years on the beat. So I was, uh, you know, I wasted my 20s, but it was okay. <laughs> it was all right. A lot of that going around in this conversation, yeah, actually, no, yeah. truth be told. It's not hard to find cautionary tales in this business. You wrote a piece recently. Now you're at The Athletic, yeah. as I mentioned off the jump. But uh, you wrote this great piece on, on the Rays, and I wanted to unpack that with you a little bit mm-hmm. here. This dichotomy that exists between their um, ruthlessness, their mm-hmm. their sending out players immediately after All-Star seasons, mm-hmm. uh, famously, but then players who are there uh, seem to really love it. What What did you learn kind of reporting that story that you can share with Twins fans here? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think the Rays are generally probably the most influential team in the sport um, for a lot of different reasons. For, you know, one, just the diaspora of Rays people who are, you know, situated to you know, Rocco Baldelli, for yeah. example, is a, you know, a Rays acolyte, someone who was raised in the Tampa Bay system and so, you know, brings over a lot of uh, the concepts that were, you know, really formulated by, like, their owner, Stu Sternberg, and the team president, Matt Silverman, and the GM under them, who was Andrew Friedman, um, who is now with the Dodgers. Yeah. So, anyway, I mean, 
mean, I was basically just kind of writing a story like the Rays are good again. Um, they're good. You know, they've been as good as any team over the last few years, you know, outside of really the Dodgers. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting just kind of investigate, like, how they do it because they're very, you know, they have a ton of roster churn. They, you know, make a lot of moves, um, you know, and yet it's an environment where players really seem to enjoy being there. And so I thought it'd be useful just to spend, you know, a little bit of time with the team and talk to some people in the front office, you know, the coaching staff, but just about, like, what that's like. And, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Eric Neander, the general manager, basically said it in, like, the first, like, two minutes of our conversation. He's like, we're ruthless transactionally, but, you know, I put the way we care for our players up with anyone. And I thought that was just a really interesting dichotomy to try and explore through the the course of the story, I guess. Yeah, as people read the story, um, and certainly as I was reading it, the thought that I had is we know the Rays as sort of cheapskates, if you'll pardon the term. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) I didn't think you would, but that, you know, they say ruthless. Well, a lot of people would say cheap. You know, you Mm could have kept sure. Blake Snell, and you even pointed out in your piece, it's sort of a false choice yeah, that, is, they've, yeah. that they've set up, but can you explain to me what you mean when players like say they love it there, because as an outsider yeah. you'd think, man, I'm just counting the days until I get traded or right. cut. I think they do a good job of identifying, at least specifically on the pitching side, you know, it's kind of sta- like a, a, a cliche is you can talk about like the island of misfit toys, you know? Sure, sure. But they do tend to find guys who are not performing elsewhere you know they acquire them for not a lot they make them better they get them their careers going in the right direction and then when you know for lack of a better term they've kind of used them up they ship them out and I think guys who are struggling elsewhere appreciate being kind of revived in a certain way okay so there's some of that um I think they have a good environment day to day you know like Kevin Cash is generally considered a very good manager um, the clubhouse is loose you know they allow guys to you know be themselves they communicate pretty well with the players and so you know it's like a good environment to be um, and also they have a lot of guys who are all not making a lot of money and um, you know so there aren't big like salary uh, you know differences between you know the 26 man and, sure. and the you know uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, who's their only player who makes uh, more than who makes eight figures. You know? hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that that go into it. That's fascinating to me that they can still take care of guys without feeling like they're about. Yeah, to burn. I mean, I think it's just like it's the th- it's kind of the way the sport is going though, because like the more and more teams are talking about like, okay, we need to like treat our players well in every way except for financially. Sure. So, yeah. like, <laughs> like, we can still steal their money. Uh, you know, we can still find ways to like screw them an arb and steal service time and, you know, make sure they're not super two. But like when they get here, like let's treat them right. Let's okay. make sure the food is good. Let's make sure that staff communicates. Let's make sure, you know, rather than talking about what they do poorly, let's accentuate their strengths. And hmm. so they make it an environment. I mean, it's part of like why one of the reasons why all the young play like young players come up and have more success, you know, theoretically than they did when they, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, if you talk to players, like, who kind of span generations, yeah. like, if you talk to someone like Clayton Kershaw, what was it like when you were a rookie? It was very different than the way rookies are treated in 2021. Thrown you know, to the wolves almost. Yeah, I mean, just like in 2008, if you were a rookie, you got, like, beat, not beat up, but, you know, you got bossed around, you got hazed, you got made to do this, you know, you weren't allowed to, you know, have a take on this. 
Whereas if you come up now and you're 23, everyone's like, hey, this guy's here to help us win. Like, that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's just a different... And, and the Rays, I think, have taken that and, like, ratcheted it all the way up, I guess. Like, okay. all the way through the org. Fascinating. Well, Twins fans, if you're looking for that piece, theathletic.com is where you can find it or search the Rays baseball Andy McCullough, and it yeah, will come up. There's not much written on the race. So it's it's fascinating, it. but they, yeah, they're a great team, and it was a fun read. So thank, uh, you. thank you for writing it, and thank you for joining Twins today. We really yeah, appreciate it. Happy to be here. I uh, hope the Twins turn it around. I don't know. It seems like it's been a rough year. Sooner or later, that that corner has to be turned. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the voice of Andy McCullough from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at by McCullough. We thank him for his time. Uh, Andy, great talking with you. Hey, great to be here. That is the voice of Andy McCall. That was a taped interview that we did at Target Field when the White Sox were in town. Look for that Tony La Russa piece when it gets published. Uh, more baseball on this show, Twins Today, coming up. I've also, I'm looking at the lineup here for Sunday's game between the Twins and Tigers. Jose Barrios versus Willie Peralta as we uh, coast on into the All-Star break. A couple days off for most of the players, not named Nelson Cruz, and then restart with the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> Same two teams do battle next week as well, so we'll get into that. Uh, coming up on the show, we've got Twins reliever Tyler Duffy kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time here just pre all-star break and learn what Duffy's up to over the break, get a little bit of downtime and some insight into his uh, teammate that he's been vocal about feels should have been an all-star. We'll talk to him about Taylor Rogers coming up. And uh, on the other side of this, actually, we are going to talk with the coordinator of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Twins. She's Britt Minder and super busy today. So we ha- we taped this interview earlier this week, had a few minutes to catch up with Britt on everything that goes into preparing for a major league draft if you're the Minnesota Twins. If you're just joining us, they've got picks 26 and 36 coming up later today. You're also not going to want to miss uh, noon. Inside Twins, Jim Polad joins the show with Chris Atterbury and then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all leading up to first pitch, Twins and Tigers. But as we do every single week on this show, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars, we are going to catch up now with Jeremy from that Mauer Auto Group to hear about how it's going over there. Jeremy, how's it going today? Today is going great. How are you? Good, thanks. You guys had the uh, Baby Blues giveaway. Had the Baby Blues. Oh, my goodness. And I hope all of the winners of the free tickets got to go there, enjoy it. I hope they were some of the first 10,000 fans. What, what a day that was. Jeremy, last time you joined us, we gave away 20 tickets to the Friday game, the Baby Blues giveaway, all courtesy of the Mauer Auto Group. Last week, we were talking about inventory. How is that looking here second week of July? Every day is getting better on the inventory. We just get truck after truck after truck. GM is in. They are building cars, shipping cars. They're getting them off the rail yard. They're getting them to our stores, and we're getting delivered to customers. We've been talking about at the store. And, you know, what I want to say is reservations are being accepted. So if you want to reserve your new car right now, stop on in and see us and we'll get your reservation in. And then once it gets here, we'll get it cleaned up, gassed up and ready to go. What was or what is the story about the inventory shortage? I mean, I know a lot of industries have been impacted by COVID. Is it as simple as that? Can you just kind of take us behind the curtain? Right. It was, I mean, COVID affected us all, but it's the supply chains. It's the shipping around the world. So it's just, it's been a difficult time. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 27 years at the same place and I've never seen anything like this before. 
but um, I've also never seen a dealer that gets after it like Mauer Auto Group does. We never took a step back. We never took a rest. We were hard after it the whole time and it's paying off now because we have got more inventory coming in than anybody else out there. And we are gonna get it done. So, I mean, like I say, if you need something, you need something that's hard to get, we're the store to go to. It's great. It means you can take care of your customers, but there are also people who are just more interested in the lease. Uh, can you just fill in listeners what that lease elite program entails? Well, what that entails is we're going to cover all your maintenance costs for the whole entire lease. There's not much in your life that is a fixed cost. Everything changes every month, <laughs> every week, every day. But with a lease, you know what your payment is. You know what your insurance is. You typically know how much you pay in gas. And now you're going to also know that all your maintenance is covered for the entire time of the lease. So it, it's such a fixed expense in your life that you just don't have to worry about anything that's popping up anymore. The car is taken care of, you're driving what you want. You probably got something a little nicer than what you thought you could because the lease is always the best way to do that. That's great. He is Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Mauer Auto Group, of course, presenting sponsors of Twins Today. Jeremy, uh, great talking with you as always, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, you too, have a good one. All right, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and delighted to be joined right now by the coordinator of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Twins. She is Britt Minder. Britt, how's it going today? It's going good. We're uh, on day four of draft meetings, and uh, you know we're kind of cruising now and starting to circle back to some guys that uh, may be a little contentious. So uh, I would say one of the best days in the draft room. So. Nice. The temperature in the room, I imagine, rising a little bit then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> I would say like it's fairly benign conversation kind of leading up to this. And we're like, all right, we'll, we'll kick this can down the road a little bit. And now we're, we're here. So uh, it should be good stuff today and tomorrow. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking some time out of your very, very busy week to join us here on Twins Today. And I just want to talk about everything Twins Draft and what's in the room and what's going on and stuff. Let's start for Twins fans right here, Britt. I've walked in and out of the draft room, the sort of setup that's going on there. Can you explain that room, the size and the number of people involved this week? Okay, yeah. I So I'm so happy you've seen the room. I am ecstatic about the room this year. And it was sort of a happy coincidence that it ended up this way. I think it's like worth explaining what the draft room, how the, how it's evolved over the past few years. Five, we started out actually on the fourth floor, you know, like 20, 25 people uh, in a press conference, or, or I'm sorry, in a, in a conference room. So really, really small. It got really hot and frankly, like if I may smelly. So that, that's something we've added in over time, like little air fresheners, uh, which the don't notice, but we do. Um, <laughs> don't, yeah. So uh, that's kind of how it's, when I got here, it started. And then we, we've sort of expanded and evolved. Um, and, you know, at some point I, I kind of uh, had the opportunity to, to be more involved and kind of you know, have some ownership over what that looks like. So then we moved down to the press conference room. We got our huge board wall, you know, and that's even expand over time, expanded. So we went from like three columns to four to five, and now we've got this like great wall and projectors. So we have, we had the press conference room for a couple years. And then due to COVID actually, I, you know, it was, I was talking with VP of HR and, and benefits. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, this is the fixed number of people who need to be in the room. And given all of the restrictions, we, we need a bigger room. 
So we have that wall that separates our, you know, twins dining room and then the press conference room. So we, they gave us that room and I was like, wow, this is, we could do whatever we want in here. So we, you know, we put the scouts in one room and then, you know, if I made the peanut gallery in the twins room, so we spread out and, you know, we have that snack area and yeah, it, it feels like a, like a real major league sort of production. And, you know, a lot of people are involved in that. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it's a hit and I'm hoping, uh, hoping our baseball uh, or our ballpark ops group uh, lets us have that room in the future. That's, that's my official plug. We'll put in a good word for you on Twins today if we get to talk to them in in that capacity, because it does. It looks awesome. You mentioned the wall. It's like these big monitors. Like if you're at the best fantasy draft you've ever been to, but this is the real deal. I mean, this is a Major League Baseball amateur draft, and I'm fascinated by the number of people that I saw in there. Like I know the Twins employ a ton of scouts and and analysts, and and I saw Thad Levine poking around in there the other day, but... How many people would you say are are in and out of this room this week getting ready for the draft? Yeah, so the fixed number is between 32 and 33. And that that includes, so obviously saw, you saw the analysts, you saw probably some of our player development group, um, four or five folks from there. Uh, we actually have some folks from our international group too, uh, given the upcoming, at some point, maybe international draft. So you know, they can kind of see how everything works and the nuts and bolts. Gosh, up to 45, 50, 55 people. Sort of depending, you know, I think folks come in depending on what day it is and like how exciting it'll be that day. But, you know, we have our medical staff in there, um, a few folks. And yeah, it's it's like pretty expansive. It's an exciting time, obviously, for the Twins. It's draft season. This, like, I don't know if your calendar revolves around this, Brit, but it probably does. And it's, you know, something that's in your mind all the time. For for people who don't uh, live in this world, they'll live and breathe amateur scouting and stuff. Can you peel back the curtain a little bit for our listeners and Twins fans? What does, uh, like, an area scout do? And I guess layered into that question, how many scouts do the Twins employ right now? Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so firstly, yes, like my entire life revolves around this draft every year. All joking aside, area scouts plan their children and when they will have, when their wives will give birth around, around the draft. And like, oh, this is a great time, September, you know, like right before fall stuff starts and like after, you know, Kate stuff and it's all encompassing. So I, it's sort of, uh, I guess I can go through our areas. So we have uh, five areas scouts in the West. We have the, you know, so we have four regions, five in the West with a supervisor, four Midwest with a supervisor. Uh, e, East Coast has six, and then our Mideast has three. Um, and that's, that's not including like uh, cross checkers and, and things like that, but that's, that's our primary amateur group. But frankly, we have, you know, player development goes out and, and takes a look at players in Florida, uh, you know, if they're if they're at our academy and we have some international guys, you know, take a look at, uh, well, Mike Larson, you know, who's up here, he's taking a look at guys, uh, John Manuel in the Carolinas. So there's, you know, I, I would say like everybody sort of takes a look at these players if they're around and we have a set group of amateur guys, but everybody sort of gets involved for sure. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, it's kind of in keeping with the way that at least that Derek Falvey and that Thad have talked in the past about 
Um, you might work in X, but have an idea in Y, and we want to hear about it. We want to talk about it. We want to debate it. You mentioned uh, very early on in this conversation, Britt, some of the, let's call it contention and friendly contention, maybe. What is the argument room like when it gets to a spot where it's like, hey, I've done a lot of work on this guy. You've done a lot of work on this guy. We both have strong opinions. Can you kind of take us into that setting, if you would? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think the most important thing to sort of start this conversation with is, or to, we all respect each other. Obviously people don't say something unless they think they're right, but we respect each other and, and Derek and, and Thad and Sean, especially, they've really created this atmosphere in the room where folks say what they feel. And it's, uh, I think very well received and it's less a back and forth, like where I say something, you say something right away. And it's kind of, it's more like a, you say something, it's almost like a non sequitur and then somebody else says something. And you just sort of like, you're building, you know, and you're adding pieces to the puzzle and then, you know, okay, let's circle back. And then, you know, when it's less contentious, then we're sort of like discussing things again. So I, I guess, I don't know what that that's called from like a psychological kind of perspective, but you know, we're not, we're not yelling at each other. Um, though, like, I would say that sometimes we could, and we, it might be more interesting if we do that, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I, Sean has done an, a really excellent job of creating this sort of atmosphere and, um, and it really, it doesn't start in the draft room, right? Like we have these conversations all year and we have this back and forth all year. It's just, you know, this period is just kind of, you know, the last point before the big decisions are made. That's awesome. Uh, Britt, appreciate your insight. One more for you, and we'll let you get back to your busy week of uh, prepping and planning and draft and uh, everything that goes with that in Major League Baseball. Without spilling any trade secrets or you know anything like that, you guys have an internal system that allows you to track and coordinate these things yeah. between uh, scouts and, as you mentioned, talent development. I'm just fascinated by like how all of these disparate parts connect can you give fans an overview, if you would, about the system that allows you guys to communicate year-round? Yeah, so it's called the uh, Baseball Evaluation Analytics and Research uh, System, otherwise known as BEAR. This, I want to say, BEAR came into being four or five years ago. We have a first-rate developer programmer group. Uh, let me just say that, as a, like incredible groups. And they're also in the room while we're talking in case stuff comes up and they're just you know, great value add. So it, again, it's evolved over time, but literally, at least for my job, anything that comes through an email, uh, I make sure it gets into bear um, because, you know, there are things I'm looking back on three or, from three or four years ago that I entered in and tagged. Uh, we sort of have like a kind of a hashtag system so we can query, you know, everything and find everything again. But I make sure everything is entered. You know, it's it really gets lost very easily in email. So, um, you know, I think that's like that's one of the main things. But yeah, between player evaluation from from scouts, PD, you know, gets in on it. Our performance team, we have our medical staff, and so we have that sort of environment where you know the medical group can read scouting reports so that they can they have a sense of like if players have been able to get out on the field after an injury, things like that, I would say it's extremely comprehensive and it, by design, really by design. And it, it's, I, I think it's one of like the backbones of kind of all that we do really. And the scouts love it. And, you know, that's actually, 
one of the reasons why I started to scout and why I thought it was like very important that I go scout and get out of the office is I was kind of working with the developers and programmers on some of these things and I just didn't know what the scouts needed. So now, you know, and obviously the scouts are able to communicate those things, but then they don't have the office side where it's like, hey, that actually is four months of development time. Fair is incredible. Um, and, you know, there's a huge video component too. And, you know, we can upload video, we can pull video from other places. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, I would say it's the best feature of our department, but I wouldn't say that too loud to the scouts. <laughs> yeah, don't let anybody hear you. Say, but the, the, the hidden secret uh, behind what powers the Minnesota Twins, that is some fascinating insight, Britt. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Bear is great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a, it's funny, we have a, the way it's kind of developed over time too. We, we had a system like this 20 years ago. I, obviously I wasn't here 20 years ago, but um, called Scout X and it's sort of, uh, you know, we modeled it a lot after that, but it, you know, it is, uh, I would say Scout X on steroids plus, plus, plus. But yeah, we, we definitely appreciate, appreciate Bear. That's Britt Minder. She is the coordinator of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Twins and a very busy person this week in uh, their sort of baseball Christmas. So Britt, we really appreciate you taking some time to join Twins today. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. You're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars, don't go anywhere. More baseball coming up after this on News Talk 830 WCCO. And the one-two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one, two, three, eighth inning. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. That was Corey Provis on the call of an important strikeout for Tyler Duffy of Miguel Cabrera. And uh, Mr. Duffy, kind enough to join us on the phone now. Tyler, it's Derek Wetmore here at Target Field. How are you today, sir? We're doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. No, hey, glad to have you on. The pleasure is certainly all mine here on this pre-All-Star break edition. Uh, first, I want to start with you facing Mel- Miguel Cabrera there. Just in general, I mean, that's a Hall of Famer. What is that like when you see a guy like that step into the box? Um, you know, I talked about it after the game that day. He's he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, there's that's the easiest way to put it. The guy knows how to hit a baseball and has for going on 20 years in the major leagues and um, you know, it's it's regardless of the situation, you know, who's on base, who's not, how many outs there are, you're you're worried about that at bat because um, at any time he can be part of the stadium for a homer. And, um, you know, there's something to respect about that, and he has such fun playing the game too. It makes it really easy to root for a guy like that. Yeah, it is kind of funny to see just even from my vantage point in the press box or, or on TV how he, he's uh... – you know, he's a player of some stature, and then he'll get down to first base and, like, poke a guy in the ribs with his finger yes. or something. Oh, yeah, and he's just a huge guy on top of it. So, like, he's playing around, and it's like, it's like the big lap dog that just doesn't know how big it is, you know, playing around with people. And he's a mountain of a man, and he can swing a baseball bat. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's a great Dane over there. Uh, Tyler, I got to ask you because it's a little bit just of a weird schedule quirk with the doubleheaders and the all-star break. Mm-hmm. But you guys got eight in a row with the Tigers, and for a reliever especially, I got to think that's kind of a strange situation. How do you get ready for matchups when you know you might see a guy two, three times? Yeah, that's a hit on that too. It's just a, it's a chess game. You know, it's kind of, you, you try and figure out what they're looking for that day. Um, you watch how whoever started that day attacked guys and, you know, try to play off of that, you know, especially if it's a righty in my case or, you know, if it's lefties for other guys and, 
you just kind of let the game talk to you. And, you know, I think that's a beauty of our game too. You can read all the stats and you can get ready for the games and have all the scouting reports. But when you get in the box and you're on the mound, you know, you may see something that isn't on that sheet. And that's the beauty of our game. And at any moment, anybody can beat anyone. Um, and so it's just a, a constant cat and mouse, you know, chess game we play for, you know, seven straight months. I love it. That's some great insight. The the voice you're hearing, listeners, is Tyler Duffy, Twins reliever. And I got to dig down on that, Duff, when I heard you say you you can prep all you want, and, and uh, I'm a prep freak too. So, like, I, right. you know, you can go and you can look at matchups and numbers, and this guy's tough on velo. This guy, you know, can't handle the breaking stuff, whatever. But then when mm-hmm. you get into the game, you use that as a backdrop, and sometimes you have to go on, whether it's instinct or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Tyler, as uh, the only person on this show right now who stood on a major league mound, can you give us some insight? Is there one example that you could share with listeners, uh, Twins fans of this show, that you've seen something and then adjusted a game plan from that in a game? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, it's with me, obviously, I throw a lot of breaking balls. Um, you know, that's I've always been pretty good at spinning the baseball and you know that means guys are looking for it and pretty I mean this is more of a regular occurrence so it's not even like a unique scenario but you know I'll come into a game and throw one of my best you know I'm what I think is my best bolt you know breaking ball for a strike or just down for a chase and guys will just auto take it Hmm. and to me that tells me they're sitting on it and so you know at times when that occurs that I know the inside part of the plate's open and that's where you'll see me run that fastball in there um, you know, or, or maybe go f- a breaking ball for a strike because I know they're sitting on it, so they're not going to swing at one that might be borderline. And, and then you see those guys, you know, you go with that fastball in and it speeds them up a little bit. Um, and then they're in swing mode, and then you go back to that same breaking ball and all of a sudden they swing at it. And it's that's part of – it didn't happen for me until a few years into, into Major League Baseball that you realize you can tell things from the hitters. You know, they're going to tell you what they're looking for with the way they take pitches, maybe foul pitches off. Uh, maybe they're late on fastballs in a net bat, and so you know, okay, maybe they're looking off speed and just reacting fastball. Um, you know, there's there's so many tells that you know from guy to guy they look for, and um, you know it's fun to bounce ideas off of each other in the bullpen. And you know, it's like I said, it's a daily occurrence that you really never know what you're going to get once you get on that mound. Love it. That is a fascinating insight there. We we think about the game as chess, and it sounds like, Duffy, you are playing some 3D chess out there on the mound. Uh, so super fun to hear you uh, just kind of peel back the curtain on that. I want to ask you about a teammate of yours, and I actually mm-hmm. have a little bit of sound here that I'd like to play with it. Uh, he is yeah. one Mr. Taylor Rogers. He, he joins us every week on the mound visit, and, uh, you know, we're a little biased, of course, but we think he maybe <laughs> should have been an all-star. Asked Mr. Absolutely. Rogers about that and uh here's what he had to say you know i was kind of wanting it this year i felt like i had a good chance and just got to take a step back and say you know what i gave it my best effort it's really nice when my teammates say that i should have been there i think that means the most that uh, you know fans media that's cool love that but when my teammates say that uh that really means a lot that's the voice of taylor rogers talking about uh not being selected for the all-star game uh duff your take on your teammate that should have gone to denver uh, I think he nailed it. Um, there's probably three years in a row or so in my mind that he could have been or should have been. Mm. Um, you know, this again being one of them, you know, and, um, you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, I know they, they like to pick the, the quote-unquote closers um, mm. to go, and I know that makes, uh, you know, voting difficult at times. But, you know, a guy like him who's 
being thrown in, we'll just call it leverage opportunities, um, and gets the job done every single night. You know, that's that's tough to see um, a guy like that with that skill set, you know, not get to be presented on the, the grand stage like that. You know, he's he's been one of the best lefties in baseball um, essentially since he got called up. I mean, you better than I have the stats behind that, but, um, you know, the guy's nasty and, you know, we all know it. And so we, uh, we're just, you know, he, he'll get his turn one day. I'm, I'm for sure, for certain of that one. Yeah, no, you're right. The stats back that up. I mean, there's no, there's just there's very little room to debate that that uh, maybe he is unheralded because he's not loud, um, but you know just marches into the target field mound, gets the job done. Um, yep. I want to peel back something you said there, Duff, for our listeners uh, about being so consistently good because that is it's a huge challenge in Major League Baseball um, mm-hmm. for for to to perform, but I think especially for a reliever um maybe maybe there's not an easy answer to this question but i've always thought that there should be a stat or some way to adjust a reliever stats for the guys he's facing do you know what i mean do, do you yeah. guys have anything that you track that says yeah this guy this guy struck out the side but he did it against seven eight nine yeah. with the game out of hand versus raj comes in every night and yep. it's one, a one-run two, game and yeah exactly he's got to face <laughs> one two three or two three four yeah, yeah. So there's there's a little bit, at least for arbitration purposes, um, there's a leverage index that's kind of become, I guess, in vogue. Um, you know, there's all the the, the wobas and oozers and whatever there are for everything. But um, you know, I think the the leverage has definitely become something that's actually, I guess, somewhat tangible. And I think they, I don't know exactly how that one's calculated, but I believe it factors in. You know, is it a one run, two run, three run game? you know, who you're facing, um, you know, you're not playing against the kid who just got called up yesterday, mm. spat nine hole, you know, it's, it's coming in, you know, one that comes to mind that we play Chicago all the time. Like I come in and I'm going to face Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu and whoever's behind him, yeah. you know, and, and there's something to be said about having to come into that role over and over again. And, and Raj has done it, um, you know, without any, you know, sort of speed bump and, um, you know, the guy guy like that should be rewarded for that. That's for damn sure. Yep, Tyler, we're uh, we're on the same page, uh, reading the same book there on that one. I guess off the field, yeah, uh, you guys are you guys are buddies too. Uh, take us yep. into the relationship now that you guys have been teammates for a number of years. Do you is your off field conversation is it is it mostly baseball or is it mostly non baseball or a mix therein? Uh, it's a mix, you know, because we're I mean relievers were a, a, you know we're a separate team within the team at times you know we sit out there for three hours a day in the bullpen and um you know talk about god knows what half the time but (laughs) but but it does you know obviously in game it revolves around baseball stuff and then you know we've lived together at spring for gosh six years or something like that now and um you know we he's teddy our and my wife were there and you know we made it work and got a bigger place this year and you know it's it's i'm the kind of uh loudmouth I guess of the two and and he's more of the to the point and he's better at getting things handled than I am so uh you know I kind of go to him with my complaints and then he can bounce stuff off me too so uh, it's been a good little uh thing we've had going here for a while love it no that's always fun to hear uh off the field Tyler Duffy is our guest reliever for the Minnesota Twins and Duff I got I got one more for you before we let you get to your Sunday of baseball here yeah Um, the big talker in baseball among pitchers anyway is the the sticky stuff I haven't had a chance to ask you because I haven't been down on the field 
this week. Right. What what's your take on the fact that yeah, there are some guys who are who were using grip and that's been fine for as long as you and I have been alive and part of yeah. baseball. And then there are guys going kind of the extra mile and that's what baseball sort of, uh, I don't know if you'd say overreacting to, but whatever they're yeah. reacting <laughs> to it. I'll, I'll just say that for the purposes of the show, Tyler, yeah. what are your thoughts on this as somebody who's uh, impacted directly as a major league pitcher? Um, yeah. You know, the way it was unrolled, you know, maybe it could have been done better, but as someone who never used any of that, um, I'm all for it. You know, I, I would rather be able be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, um, you know, and throw a good fastball without any help. Um, you know, nothing's changed for me. Hmm. Uh, you know, that kind of happened, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll you know get a new hat. Like I don't, you know, otherwise <laughs> I didn't really think twice about it. Um, you know, and, and that's I think that's the thing too. That it goes so there's so many layers to it, but you know, there's guys who are getting you know, to the big leagues and come up and absolutely dominating that maybe wouldn't have, um, you know, and I think that's the problem with it. And, you know, like I said, I think it'll make guys like me who, who have learned how to pitch and learn how to throw a ball without any, you know, extracurriculars uh, added on. Um, you know, it, it's, it definitely levels the playing field for a guy like me. And, you know, it's uh We'll, we'll definitely see how it plays out over the next, uh, you know, 80 games we got. Yeah, no doubt. Well said on the rollout. Tyler, you got a, a young one at home. Plans for the break? Uh, we're going to head to Houston for a little bit, go see some family and, and pop in, you know, re- reload the suitcase and then uh, head to Detroit. So it's, uh, you know, a big, big three days off for us, but, you know, we'll take what we can get. Amazing. Well, uh, good luck today, Tyler, and uh, enjoy the break. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Be well. That the voice of Twins reliever Tyler Duffy, kind enough to carve out a few minutes on his busy Sunday before joining the show here, Twins Today. We do have another segment coming up to close the hour, so I don't want you to go anywhere, but I definitely want you to set your watch for noon today. All across our Twins Radio Network, we've got Inside Twins with Chris Atterbury and his guest, Twins principal owner Jim Polad answering uh, you know a number of important questions not often not every day anyway that you get to hear updates from the owner sort of midstream like this uh, in a, in a twin season that we all wish was a little different if we're being honest that is coming up at noon and then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card will get you set for first pitch Twins and Tigers coming up later this afternoon at Target Field. But when we come back, we're going to wrap up Twins Today, a draft day, a pre-All-Star game week uh, version of Twins Today. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to uh, Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we are in the home stretch of today's show, uh, pre-All-Star break show, also MLB draft show. We're basically getting you set up for Twins and Tigers here today, but between now and then, you're going to want to stick around. If you're by the radio or if you're out on your boat, make sure make sure that you've got reception wherever you are because at noon, Twins, uh, sorry, Inside Twins, Gets a special guest. Chris Atterbury hosts a conversation with Twins principal owner Jim Polad. That's coming up in a matter of minutes. I hand off the baton to that. Uh, and then, of course, Edina Realty pregame lineup card all getting you set for first pitch Twins and Tigers. Today we're going to have Jose Barrios going up against Willie Peralta for 
Detroit. Uh, the fourth of eight consecutive games between the Twins and Tigers, but there's an all-star break thrown in there in the middle. Uh, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always go check out your Odyssey platforms or search the podcast. I know twinsbaseball.com slash podcasts is a convenient way where you can go, and it's all in the same feed. Inside Twins, Twins Today, it's all there. So if you missed anything and you want to catch up on it, that's where you can go for that. Uh, it's an exciting show and an exciting uh, just sort of into-the-break show here because the Twins are going to have, most of the Twins anyways, are going to have four days off. The one exception to that, well, that would be Nelson Cruz. He's going to be a part of All-Star festivities in Denver this year at the All-Star game, but for anyone who was looking, he's not going to be a part of the Home Run Derby. I I stumped for him last week on the show. This was before we knew he was actually going to the All-Star game for sure. We knew, I think we knew five of the participants in the Home Run Derby at that point, and Cruz was not one of them. For those who remember, Cruz was a part of the 2009 Home Run Derby. He came in second to Prince Fielder. Cruz said, eh, not this year, but he did sort of allude to maybe next time. Maybe next time I get picked for the All-Star game, then I would participate in the Home Run Derby. Maybe his kids are a little older and can remember the experience. Uh, he said it's a ton of fun, but it's just not for him this year. Don't want to mess with the swing for the second half or maybe uh, expend a little more energy than he otherwise would have to on what's supposed to be a break. I mean, after all, the guy just turned 41. Give the guy a break. Uh, here I was stumping for him a week ago, and now I'm uh, asking all those stumpers to uh, get off his back. <laughs> that's that's uh, how hip, hypocritical we get sometimes on Twins Today. But going to be fun to follow Cruz at the Midsummer Classic. I always enjoy watching the game. i got to be honest. I don't watch the Derby every single year. If there's a Twins tie, if there's a connection, the Morneau Derby, that was some fun to follow. Uh, of course, here at Target Field, I covered it, so that was fun to see. I think it was Giancarlo Stanton hit one. Uh, it was uh, 6.2 miles as measured by StatCast out to left field. Uh, just about left the stadium in the third deck, which is uh, all but impossible to do. So we'll follow All-Star Break festivities this week. So far, it's just Nelson Cruz. They have named a uh, small handful of some injury replacements and pitchers. It happens every year. A guy throws on Sunday. Take, for example, if, if Jose Barrios was named to this game, but he's pitching for his team on Sunday. Well, you're not going to ask him to go throw an inning in baseball's center stage on Tuesday. So some of the replacements have been named, but uh, notably, as we talked about in the last segment with Twins reliever Tyler Duffy, he's a little biased. I may be a little biased too. Taylor Rogers, notably absent from that All-Star game. I, I don't know why. It doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make sense. He's one of the best relievers in baseball and has a track record to boot. So anyway... The All-Star game Tuesday and then a couple of days off, and the Twins are back at it with Detroit following that short, short break. Uh, Sunday is also the start of Major League's amateur draft. We heard from Britt Minder earlier on the show, the coordinator of amateur scouting for the Minnesota Twins. She told us everything that goes into draft preparation with 32, 33, and on up scouts and and, uh, and analysts and player development groups, everybody basically that's trying to do the same thing, which is put a winner on the field at Target Field. Britt gave us some insight into what that's like, uh, gave us some time on her super busy week. So that was a treat to hear from. And 
it's a big day for the Twins. Now, you're not going to see these guys necessarily the rest of this year or next year even, but it's an important day for the, the, the future of the organization several years down the road. We might look back and say, hey, remember those guys who were taking picks 26 and 36? That's Sunday, July 11th in 21 after kind of a disappointing first half of a season. Yeah, those guys are uh, knocking on the door now. And I'd like to point out Sean Johnson, the director of scouting, scouting director for the Minnesota Twins, said that this draft is pretty heavy on college arms. So watch for that. He said there's velocity in every corner of the country. As you're scouting now, you'll see guys who might not even have a draft grade on them, and they're throwing 95. Take that for whatever it's worth. But it's interesting to hear that the draft is top-heavy in that and a time when the Twins have two picks inside the top 40, and I think a lot of fans are screaming for pitching. Add pitching. They'll go best player available, I believe. That's what teams always do. Uh, we also talked earlier this week on uh, Five Thoughts, Max Kepler, Kenta Maeda breakouts. We'll get to watch that as the second half unfolds. Radio revisit from A.J. Pierzynski and then Dick Bramer stopped by for a mic check, the TV voice of the Minnesota Twins. Fun to talk with him. Like I've said before, do not miss this noon hour. Jim Polad joins Chris Atterbury for Inside Twins. Then it's the Adina Realty pregame lineup card, all heading up to first pitch between the Twins and Tigers. Today, Jose Barrios and Willie Peralta before a brief All-Star break, and we'll get on with the second half. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Enjoy your All-Star break. This is News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.